Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Dario Marni cuts in from the left and hits a ripper in the side net. Ooh, you'll never walk alone. All right, guys, welcome to episode three in season two of the Upper 90 podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Your host, Dan McCarthy, as always, joined by club director, Carl Dixon. And what are we going with this week, Sam? Uh, a mix of uniform... Corner flag technician. Coordinator. Street soccer shirt organiser. And tactics board delivery man this week. Fantastic. Easy week. <laughs> How many roles are we up to now within the club? We must be close to I've lost fingers. I've 25. I've enough fingers and toes. <laughs> 25, 30. And I'm from Wigan, I've got 30. <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard another laugh in the room. We do have a special guest this week. We are joined by Josh Jabandi, a new coach within the club. Welcome, Josh. Uh, if you want to give the listeners a little background on yourself, uh, that would be great. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, my name's Josh. Obviously, um, just joined the club recently. Probably seen a few of you out on the field. Um, been working locally in the community for the last three years. Um, recently, just left LA Galaxy South Bay to come and join the brilliant staff that we have here at Sand and Surf. Um, I heard Sam needs some some help with with his roles, so uh, <laughs> hopefully, be able to help him out. Fantastic. Appreciate you coming on, Josh. Lots to talk about today, guys. We've got three sections to go through. Uh, we'll split it into three parts, as always, every week. We'll get the parent Q&As at the end, of course. A lot sent in this week, so thanks for that. Uh, part one we're going to talk about this week is the youth system in the US. A lot of parents always ask us about the comparison between the youth systems in the US, in Europe. Uh, I think everybody in this room has had some experience in the youth system back home in a professional sense, which is good. Um, so we're going to talk more about the youth system here in the US, educate the parents out there, give our own views, some controversial views, I'm pretty sure, in the topic before, in the discussion before we went live. So I feel like Sam, you might be the man for the job. Maybe give us an introduction into kind of like the pyramid system or, you know, the setup of the youth system in the US. And then if you want to share your own views and crack on, my friend. Right. So I've I made a little little diagram and tried to figure it out the best I could to, to tier the systems. As I was doing it, though, I, I noticed it's a little bit different from Florida, you know, where I used to live and coach. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just go with the kind of the California system because I'm presuming <laughs> most of our listeners are local. <laughs> um, at, at the top of the pyramid, you've got like the Development Academy, uh, known around here as Academy or DA. <clears throat> the actual top, top level is um, the Development Academies that professional clubs have. So all the MLS clubs have professional academies that are similar to the academies in Europe and for the most part I believe they all have to be free for the players they're all funded by the clubs underneath that you then have another development academy Um, why it's called the same name I don't know but then this is basically made up of club teams like Sand and Surf who have development academy status so that's a little bit different to the pro clubs because they all have to pay or I believe they pay some clubs subsidise it in certain ways, but this is a little bit still similar to the, the pay-as-you-play model of the regular club team, as you will. Then in California, the next one we're now looking at is DPL, 
which from my knowledge I believe is is a league that was kind of created not from all clubs but from certain clubs who wanted an additional level underneath development academy then we go on to ECNL um, which is I guess the next level it's now boys and girls we'll maybe talk a little bit about how it used to be just girls <clears throat> and then you get into the the regular flight one flight two flight three which is kind of the regular club soccer so that's kind of how I how I wrote it down how I see it quite complicated a little bit scattered <clears throat> anyone got anything to add on that you miss one out which they're oh, going to yeah. be launching supposedly in the next year What's that one? Academy 2 so the MLS clubs are going to trial out a <coughs> system where it's an academy team that train under the same cycle and calendar but the players pay the players pay yeah so the typical Diaz fully funded this one will be where they pay so I've heard that rumour and seen it. I think Galaxy Girls Academy is launching it like this upcoming year, possibly. So that was one you missed out. But, you know, with all your job roles, I'm sure, you know, it's... Slipped under the radar, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's keep time. Josh, any immediate thoughts? <clears throat> There's just too many tiers. Um, I think if you look at the academy, I think... That's doing well. I mean, obviously, there's been some changes recently with the age that they're going to start. Um, I believe that the MLS teams, LAFC and, and Galaxy, they're, they're still going to start recruiting at those younger ages. But then you look at other clubs, local, um, Real SoCal, um, you look at Surf, who have that DA status. They're not going to be able to start until I think it's U13s now. Um, and then as you work your way down, I mean, you have ECNL and then obviously you have locally, you have the <clears throat> SCDSL leagues and coast soccer leagues. I mean, if you look at the, the ECNL, I don't think you really need to travel to other states to get good competition. I think we're in probably one of the best places in America to have, have good games. Um, so you don't really need to travel that far and, and pay that much just to have that higher status. Um, I think if you look at the Flight 1 bracket locally and you look at State Cup where Coast League and the San Diego Leagues come together, it's, <clears throat> it's a good group of teams. So I think it needs some input from someone just to organise it a little bit better and make it a, a tiered process. Kind of like the pyramid system back Yeah, day, yeah. <clears throat> Sam, I know you're dying to do this, so <coughs> go ahead, get the... Uh, get the crew fix out start crucifying the, the levels in America go on I, I agree with Josh there's just too many and I think part of it it comes from people wanting to make money off it mm-hmm. with it being a pay as you play model basically one league is, is seen or one level they seem to be the top level a group of people might get together and say we don't really like that we think we can do it better we think we can get this club involved that club involved blah 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 we're going to create our own league we're just going to say it's the same level or say it's a level above. We're going to call it something different and then we're going to try and get as many teams involved in it as we can and just make our own league. And I feel like that's how things work <clears throat> as opposed to it being done just sensibly. So who who does it then? Like, that's, you know, that's what we're always talking about. Like, yeah, you know, there's US soccer, but the size of 
the US is very very big you know like we always joke around California soccer is a lot different than Florida and then Florida is a lot different than New Jersey like even different the way they play their leagues the calendar everything's different so you know can anyone step in or I don't know do you think it's too late now do you think Cal South could do something but it just it seems like when things try to happen here all it takes is one organization just going like ah we don't want to do it start something else and then that's how the next thing gets going I I believe I was kind of told um, from someone high up in US soccer a few years ago when when there was a switch between Development Academy and ECNL and Development Academy started becoming for the girls as well and ECNL then became for the boys what US Soccer said was because Development Academy is a US Soccer thing they went to every club who had a boys Development Academy and said forget your ECNL Academy turn all your ECNL teams into Development Academy teams on the girls side because we want to do Development Academy over both boys and girls and they were basically just trying to push ECNL out that was their way of pushing them out and they basically said if you decide to stay with ECNL on your girls we're going to take your boys development academy status off you so I think they did try and do it a while back I think US Soccer did force a few clubs hands Um, and then that eventually led to ECNL then they used to be classed as the top level for the girls and DA was the top level for the boys I think ECNL then saw what was happening pulled back a little bit kind of lost some teams to development academy on the girl side they then went and started a boy side and then put themselves in as kind of the second level in terms of boys and girls and they let development academy sit on top of them but i believe that they're ran by a completely different organization i don't think that's us soccer i have a question for you sam um so obviously it's different from the boys to the girls um say if you're a, a top level boy Obviously, you want to be on that academy status. Um, would you? What would you say the next best, I'd say, league is or, or team to, to play in? And then for the girls, uh, if you're a top-level girl player, would, would ECNL be the top level you want to play in? Tough question. It man. is a tough question, yeah, because <clears throat> if I'm a girl, the, the top level I want to play at would be for like the, the academy team of a pro club, if that makes sense. Right. So, same same on the boys' side. Um, I guess if there's no pro club close to you, that kind of option is maybe ruled out a little bit, especially with America being so big and there being so little pro clubs. Um, I probably need a little bit more time to think about that one, Josh. <laughs> I need to research some coaches <laughs> and research some teams. And <laughs> so what about the, the boys' teams that have recently joined the, the ECNL? Obviously, Beach have been, uh, I think, two two maybe years now. And now uh, I think LA Breakers have just joined ECNL. Would you say, <clears throat> say if you're a Flight 1 player playing SCDSL, would you recommend or trying out the ECNL teams? Do you think they'll be better? Do you think they'll have a better system? Do you think they're... They'll have better coaches or better better players. Um, what would you what would you what would your recommendation? Yeah, I, w- I would be? definitely go and try it out because that is obviously seen as the next level. <clears throat> in some cases, you'll find flight one teams that are actually better than ECNL teams. It all depends on the club and the area. So, me, I would being based in this area. If I was playing in flight one, I'm trying to move on. I'd start looking at ECNL teams that were close to me, 
kind of go, maybe see if I could go and do a few sessions, meet the coach, meet the team, and kind of do my research that way. I think it comes down to the club, though, like, as well. Like, why do they have that level? Why do they have that status? Like, and do they have a uniformed program that, you know, there's a reason, like, I know a few clubs that are chasing the ECNL right now, and why are they chasing it? And I can probably guarantee you they're chasing it because their boys or girls' side is dying because they're losing players to those other clubs that have that. And that's why I think that, like, it's the levels are so skewed now. the The level is all over the show, you know. If clubs are just wanting ECNL status because of recruitment purposes, that's that's wrong, you know. So I think that's what gets in people's heads, you know. And an ECNL team like we know, boys 07 <coughs> now is in it, like they're traveling for one match and whatnot, and you know there's this whole ploy around college soccer, which think. All of us know in here, you don't need to be on an ECNL team to play college soccer. You know, there's so many avenues. So uh, it's just, it's interesting. It really is. I think we, we touched on it. Uh, the last podcast we did when we talked about clubs merging for that status. Yeah. Very similar. If you can shout out that you've got ECNL status or development academy status, it does make that recruitment a little bit easier because there's always players that will come and try out for your team or your club if you've got that status. Is it a good thing? No, like you said, a lot of the levels are diluted anyway. We've got that many levels at the moment that, you know, sometimes it doesn't even make sense to go and do that. But I do think clubs want it just because of the status, for sure. So why are there so many levels being made? I think there's so many levels being made because there's so much demand for it. I think if, if tomorrow someone was to send an email out to someone and start a new level that was above Flight 1 but below ECNL, there would still be tons of clubs that were interested in it. Yeah. Well, that's... That's the discovery flight in SCDSL. They did it what last year? Yeah, that that was its number one is demand, and then the second one's attraction. How can they make their program attractive to players that they're possibly losing to academy or ECNL? See that that's that's the two avenues. Whereas it should really be based on how are we producing the best players. How are we, you know, how are we coaching them? Are we producing, you know, X amount of players that are getting to X amount of levels? But that's not a lot of clubs' agendas. They're just more filling the demand, which is then more money. And then part two, what can make my organization attractive? Like, let's be honest. Is all our teams not pre-academy? Is every player in the US not pre-academy that plays football? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, so why do clubs yeah. use that tag? To entice parents. Now, if you do have an academy program in that organization, I can't <laughs> understand. But there's other organizations using that tag. I don't have the academy. Well, th- their organization doesn't. But right. it's just it's just an in- again why why make it attractive? <clears throat> you know, that was uh, the big thing about the SCDSL and CSL the big thing in CSL and why a lot of clubs still are in it is it's promotion relegation you really earn 
what level you get to play at. So when you played out here and you were like, oh, we're a silver team now, like you had to win bronze or come second, you know? And organizations that were growing big uh, couldn't, couldn't get some of their teams into the top level. So a new league began where you, there wasn't promotion relegation, but now these clubs can now say, we've got 20 Flight 1 teams, or we've got Discovery teams, or whatever it is. So, like, there, there's a, a, a pure example of a new identity was started, not for a development of kids, players, or whatever, it was just solely for an attraction, attraction. purpose. So, Does anyone know of clubs having, like, ECNL status taken away from them? I know sometimes clubs might withdraw from it, but I remember my old club. We were we were pushing to get ECNL a few years ago, and uh, there were certain criteria you gotta you gotta hit to like make ECNL be an ECNL club. And they used to say like if your performance wasn't good enough, they could take it away from you. But there must be teams every year and clubs every year that finish bottom of the league, and I don't ever hear of like them having their ECNL status stripped from them, you know what Sounds I mean? Sounds like a scare tactic. Well, look, look, look yeah. at this. You go watch Galaxy's Academy play and they play against Nomad Academy. It's a waste of time. Yeah. It is a waste of time for both teams. Nomad's travelling up and Galaxy playing. And that game is an opportunity for, you know, 15, 16, 17 and 18 players to get run out and then you know, the captain and the top goal scorer to bag four goals in a game for his stats and video. But that just that shows you there that that is just it's wrong. You know what I mean? What about ODP? We haven't really touched on that, have we? That's a, uh, that's a whole other animal that is. It is, it is. Does, it? Ex- does someone want to explain what ODP <coughs> well, is? Well, I think there's only one man for the job. <laughs> Go on, Josh. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to the party, Josh. Go on, mate. I don't know too much about it. Um, obviously, just from my experience, this pretty much the selection comes after State Cup. You'll see uh, ODP scouts kind of at the State Cup, and they'll be going around and they'll be looking for kind of the the best players with within the Cal South that aren't contracted to a, a DA club. Um, then I think they've just started having their tryouts now. I'm not sure how many kids they select between the, the age group. I think maybe 50 to 60. Um, I think one of one of the boys I know who I coach, he just got selected to go up there. And it was a, a whole weekend and they were on the field from, I think, from 9 till 8 o'clock in the evening. And they had, I think, three or four sessions within the day. Um, so it's a long weekend for them. And then they pretty much just select their teams from there and they go on to play other areas so they play uh, Cal North and then they go to Arizona and Nevada and play against other state teams um, I think it's it's great to be selected I think it's pretty similar to the, the county process that we have back home um, where you get selected to represent your county and then you play against other counties so it's, it's definitely a good avenue to, to get promotion to say a DA club because you're playing against the best in Cal South when you're trying out and then you're you're playing against the the best from the other states as well. So, I think it's definitely something that you should aim for um, because you always want to play and compete against the best. Um, but how the process works and the quality of the the coaching and the teams, uh, I I don't know too much about that. Yeah, the the scouting as well is it, to me it looks a little sporadic, you know, and 
but definitely think it's an interesting concept. It is. It's very like the county system, mm-hmm. you know, back home, which it's cool. And like, if people get an opportunity, they should go and play, and their club coaches should be supportive of that. You know, it's just another experience. But yeah, uh, I don't. I don't actually personally know too much either about the whole scouting part, and you know, it seems that a lot of the coaches who've been doing it have been doing it for a long time, kind of thing. So. They're always looking for ODP scouts, I know mm. that for sure. Every coach and losses they're recruiting them. Get yourself a nice big blue Nike jacket at Norco with your three legged chair. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing I would add to that is it's a good concept, but it's something you have to pay for again. Oh, yeah, and, you do. And you're missing out all, all the kids that can't afford <clears throat> to go on the camps and do this and that. They, they miss out a little bit so again money money orientated yeah, it's uh so it's is it a great funny? idea it's there's no funding at all i don't know i just remember again in florida there was odp and the big thing was they had they set up this pdp that was a u.s soccer thing that was free and it was exactly the same but it was basically directors of clubs could put forward kids to go and play for, to the pdp camps or the id days and if you made the team, everything was funded. You weren't expected to pay for anything. Whereas ODP, there was a, a fee involved. College ID camps, worth it? Yes or no? <laughs> depends which one. No, I don't want that one. <laughs> well, just depends, doesn't it? So some are worth it, some are not. We could have a whole podcast on college ID camps. Just give me. They're worth it for uh, tons, tons of reasons. Yeah. But there's also some that are just a waste of time, depending on the player that you are or what you what you're looking for. Top. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there's some that are purely money makers, you know, and again, you're they're they're living off the parents and kids' dreams of getting to college, and then I think there's there's others that are you know very useful. So it's a tough one. Josh, again, it's just money orientated. <laughs> I think the amount the kids play, they're not getting per pay, they're not getting anywhere near worth what they are paying final question for this part of the podcast <clears throat> do players need to play flight one ECNL DP whatever it is DA whatever to get into college no. can't touch on it earlier no they just have, nope. to, they just have to pass the SAT you don't need to get into college you need to play, oh, hey. play in college I they can always just like you know a big bag of money and throw it as a <laughs> you know, you'll be able to suit up for UCLA couple of, couple of local schools that are looking after that no look I, I think the, the thing about college is yes there is that highest level you know there's all there's those D1 schools which there's a, there's a certain pathway and a certain level you have to be playing but then there is so many other college levels like you know if I was a local player, maybe I'd go to junior college here for a few years, you know, and then bounce on to... Rack up the stats. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's so... But that doesn't mean, like, the coach is going, are you a flight one player? You know, at those levels. And then, like, all three of you played in NAIA. The, the level in there, you know, it can be good and bad. And so there's just so many levels, like... But I think the the whole status thing just gets in people's heads so much. It really does. Josh has since leaned over because he's, he's eager. I think it's, the problem is 
is that you want that status, oh, I'm going to UCLA, oh, I'm going to UCSB. It's uh, as soon as you get into your high school years, that's all the parents want to talk about, that's all the players want to talk about. And if you're not getting interest from, from any of those schools, no one, no one cares. Like, no one cares. Who wants to say, oh, I'm going to this small junior college? It's like, oh, great. Like, what sort of player must you be then? And I think that get that plays into people's heads. Um, but I, I went to junior college um, for my first two years and, and loved it and then moved on to a four-year school. Um, and especially in California, the junior college system is yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, it's like, and even I think it's Mount Mount Sat Mount San Antonio. They get they get players released from Galaxy going to their school. Yeah. So it it is strong, and it's not easy. Um, but I think again, if 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 your parents can end up paying say thirty grand towards the the, the fees for each year, then you'll have more chance of getting on the soccer team. If you're a player that wants a full ride. You're, you're going to have to search around. You're going to have to dig in. Yeah. Fair point there, Sam. Round it off. So, <laughs> to play in college <laughs> rather than just attend. What about, what about this? Like, you, you know, hopefully we all have kids coming down the pipeline at some point. Like, what would you do with, you know, right now, your kid was 10, 11, like, after being involved in this, seeing it all? Any thoughts on that? Like, what what would your recommendation be? Sam. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out. My, Tom. Uh, beach volleyball. You get to sit <laughs> on the beach all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Using your heart to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, true, true. <laughs> so you're saying if, if your son or daughter was 10 or 11? Son or daughter's around that age and they're, like, really loving it. They're in, I don't know, they could be in our club or another local club. They're quite competitive like maybe on the highest team like what what is your next steps as a you know a parent what's the advice out there you know I'm a big I'm a big believer in if you're good enough you'll get found that's where you're sitting here <laughs> <laughs> that's why I coach so young <laughs> no but I'm I've, said, I've spoke to parents at at top levels and good levels and you know even top levels within our club and I've said that and there's always that temptation to go on to the next level and take your kids to these camps but for me you know if you're that if you're good enough and you're above your station I think you'll get found one way or the other you'll get spotted I'm a big believer in that some might say that you know you need a little bit of luck a little bit of fate and that's maybe a very laid back approach in looking at it and you're not desperate enough but there's so many coaches at every field every weekend there's so many scouts floating around and if you're one of them kids who are clearly a level above I think that you'll get you'll land where you need to land. Um, I think it's very rare that a kid's not picked up if they're you know that far above their station that they're not picked up in the level they need to be. You know we see it every weekend, right? There's a couple of kids in the SC and DSL, and you're like, they shouldn't be here, and you play that same team the next year, and they're not there. Yeah, so. but that same game, you're you're turning around to the coach, going, like, no offense, coach, but that kid is good. Why is he on your team? And he's like the coach typically turns around eight out of ten times and says, yeah, he's having a really good day today. And it's like, no, mate, wait, I actually right. can tell. Hold like, on. Yeah, they're holding them back, you know. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. But That's a big I, thing. I would say exposure. Like, for me, if, you know, your kid's really into it, just giving them a little bit of exposure of every level might, you know, might, might help the kid process and go, I like this. Put or maybe a, a dough or, or yeah just 
But yeah, fair point. I think a lot of people panic, you know. Oh, for sure. Sam, what would you do? Ten, uh, ten year old <coughs> Samantha is we, saying, "Dad, Samantha." Oh, she's, she's, she's a girl. Samantha. Yeah, she's a girl. You know, Sam, Samantha, keeping it within the family. And she says, "Dad, you know, I want to I go to the next level. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say?" I mean, if she wants to go to the next level, let's try and find her the next level, eh? What is the next level? Depends on how good she is, doesn't it? She could be a flight three player and she wants to play flight two. <laughs> Let's go and look at some flight two clubs in the area. <laughs> what if she was flight one within a South Bay club? Where would you? Where would you? Where would be your first stop? Would you look ECNL? Would you look DA? Would you have a first stop, or would you kind of just? Start, I would probably just go around and go just try and go and try try them all out. See yeah. see what the teams like. See what the coaches like. See what she thinks. Yeah, you have to have coach. Obviously, but then a competition. If you both for them, you're fine, right? Coaching a competition. Yeah. That that'll hopefully help you progress. Josh. No, I think we've we've spoke about a lot of things. I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> tea break. <laughs> Time for a tea break. With it's that kind of response, his kids are going to be flight free. or going to be yeah. DA. Billy's <laughs> fire. Billy. It's time for one of your ads. Over and out. The Black Turks. <laughs> Good part one, guys. So, uh, hopefully, that informed a lot of parents and kind of the levels that are out here. Our kind of thoughts on them as coaches and future parents, hopefully. Um, so, that was a lot. Enjoy it. See you in part two. All right, heading into part two of this week's podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Part two is going to entail <clears throat> coaching versus recruitment. Is there a difference? Are they the same thing? Does every club do a bit of both? Does every coach do a bit of both? Something we've talked about in previous podcasts, but we're really going to hit the nail on the head hopefully this week. Um, A lot of parents ask about it. A lot of coaches discuss it at meetings, management meetings, league meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Let's go with you, Josh. Let's get you straight into it, buddy. Is there a difference between coaching and recruitment? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Definitely. Um, You can be a good coach and you can be a good recruiter. Um, I think you've, you've got to find the balance in both though if you want to be successful um, I've seen great recruiters who can't coach and they do really well in competitions um, and they have a good team anyone, and the, and anyone the, in particular? Uh, <coughs> I think a college coach <laughs> exactly what I think I think uh, college coaches have to be they have to be good at recruiting. They have to be. Um, I think when once they get the players there, the, the players necessarily they're locked in for the year or if even so four years, and then they can just get they can get other coaches to kind of do their work. Um, but I think from a local and youth point of view, um, obviously the coach is, is normally on his own, so he has to do his his own recruitment and he has to do his his own coaching. Um, you have to be good at both. I mean. First of all, you need to get the kids in. And I know, obviously, speaking from a Galaxy South Bay point of view, that was never a problem because of the badge and we could always find kids. I mean, our tryouts are always packed with kids who who just wanted to come along because they they like the Galaxy badge, they like the Galaxy brand. Um, And we never even had our existing players come and try out. They were already within the club. Um, Then I know here at Sand and Surf, you probably had your, your best tryout period that you've ever had in terms of, of numbers. Um, and it definitely helps. The more players you've got to select from, the stronger your team will be. Um, and then it comes down to the, the coaching. Um, if you're not teaching the kids 
and if they're not learning and they're not improving the following year they will just move on they will just move on uh, and then again you'll have to recruit different kids to, to bring them in um, it's always okay for players to move on um, but you want to try and keep a good core of the group because if you start in one year and you've coached those kids for the year and then you lose say 10 players from a 9v9 team you're then pretty much going back to square one and you've got to start all over again with the group and, and teach them the basics of, of soccer um, but it's it's difficult I mean Carl you've probably seen locally good recruiters and, and good coaches and what would you say has been more successful successful in terms of in terms of I'd say well how would you judge success is it in terms of competition how they do in the state state cup how they do in tournaments or how many how many teams or how many players they've pushed up to a, a DA team or an ECNL team probably the latter right? yeah yeah no it it's, it's interesting and I can dive into it I I think the biggest thing, like the first thing you started talking about was college, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of what happens in the youth system out here trickles down from the college system because there's a lot of head college coaches, assistant college co coaches that are directors of clubs or coaching three, four teams. And I think they take that mentality into the youth system. I think they take that recruiting mentality in but they actually don't have the ability to develop youth players. It's a lot different coaching a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old and recruiting a team of 09 boys and then having to develop them. And I think that's where we fall short a little bit here, you know, in comparison to where we're from and what's happening to those levels. You know, you have specific coaches working with the under 12s that is their job you know and then the reserve manager is doing his job of looking at what players they can identify whether they're bringing in or pulling up from the academy but the reserve manager isn't coaching the under nines and bringing that philosophy in and I think that that's where it's it's a little a lot, the recruitment side for me I think if more time was spent on the coaching technical side the game would be better and a lot more clubs teams and coaches teams would be better they really would and then they actually might build a little bit more loyalty with their kids you know instead of I gotta bring in the, those six kids quickly to make my team better automatically and then you know what happens the next guy recruits those six kids and it just it's a, it's a cycle so Short term fix. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is the biggest biggest thing here. There, it's hard to put a long term goal into place as well because there's a financial side and there's people's jobs on the line. So it's hard to build that long term. And I think a lot of a lot of coaches that we talk to, like me and Sam, have talked to a bunch of coaches in other clubs just on the field, and they seem panicked. They seem panicked if that year doesn't go like well in terms of first or second in league, doing a good run in state cup, they're done. And I think that's that's wrong. So I think that's then where the mentality is like, I'm gonna recruit that guy, he's top three players, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, sell them whatever it is, and 
I think more is going on that front than actual true development of the player. But that's that from what I see on the field at the weekend, I think more coaches are invested in that short term. And I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. I mean it's a it's a it's a big topic and there's lots to talk about it. Um I think when you when you speak about it from a recruitment point of view, it's there's competition within the area, right? And it's difficult. I mean, it's not like we're the only club locally and when you get to that tryout period, if you don't get that player locked in quickly and unfortunately that's how it works out, if you don't get them locked in, then they'll go somewhere else and then you've got to recruit someone else or you've got to get someone else in. So... Again, it's just it's, it can be a bit of a battle, um, and it, and it's tough. It's Do you tough. think like I think you're actually seeing it right now at the highest level, right? We all, we always go into a bit Premier League stuff, but let's relate it a little bit to there. I think you're seeing it right now with England's national team and some Premier League teams. You're seeing a, a manager, and really you call him more of a coach because he did work with the youth system of being loyal, trying to develop players and not kind of just picking up the top, the older kind of the player and playing, you know? And then you flip it to the teams, the Premier League teams, and some of the players that are playing for, for the national team can't get in. Can't get in the first team because the first team are going out and recruiting instead of they've got these players here that are very loyal to the club and it's only a matter of time you know are we talking about Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, never I, I never think, talk about Chelsea you know I think Chelsea I think I think there's a lot of organisations like that so where I then relate it back to I'll relate it to our club is to be honest my mentality is I'd rather spend time trying to develop that middle ground kid because I know number one they love the club, they're very loyal, and uh, their parents are great, than going out trying to recruit that top kid that's going to change the team when you know they're probably already talking to four or five clubs and it's only going to be a short-term fix. So that was my way of kind of giving you my mindset in our organisation. Carl's more the Eddie Howe type rather than the Pep Guardiola. So, saying that though, I don't think Bournemouth have too many youth youth players within their team. They recruit a lot of players, right? Yeah, they do. Youth. Who's advocating big on the youth in the Premier League right now? Leicester. Leicester. Leicester City. But it's still they're buying players to come in. Yeah. I think it's expecting results. I mean, the Premier League and youth soccer is different, right? But the pressure on them guys to get results immediately is. Yeah, yeah. My my example was just we're not the getting final if we lose a state cup on the weekend. Yeah. So. You know, like a, a coach being <laughs> next year. Oh yeah, but next year that might change. And also next year we are going to do a twenty four hour. You must sign the contract in twenty four hours after tryouts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I I just think there's a level of knowing your ability as a coach, being patient, and you know, being able to flow forward with it. And then there's a thing of. I do think there is a huge insecurity of people who coach in a game here that 
they need that short term success to kind of gratify to themselves that I'm a flight one coach. Like I, I've heard people say that, like I'm a, I'm a goal level coach. And I look at them and go, right, I don't know what that means, but I'm a coach. Like, so there, there is that, that short term success that they need. That's what I know that. You know, so. Sam, are you a recruiter or a coach? <coughs> I'm going to go and say that, sit on the fence a little bit and say that I think a bit of both is ideal. Okay. Obviously, it depends on the age you're working with. Uh, for me, I wrote down long-term coaching trumps recruitment, just to get my pal Donald in there. <laughs> we do not talk about politics on this podcast. <laughs> as long as nobody tells him where we live, I'm all right. <laughs> it's only Brexit talk. Yeah, I think I think even at the even at the young ages, it's it's fine to recruit players. Everyone wants to have you know better players on the team and all that. But I think if you're not going to coach them properly and you're not going to actually develop them, it's just pointless even going out wasting your time recruiting them because you might go ahead and have a winning season and and do well and win some trophies and get your ego massaged a little bit. But in the long run, you you're not really going to develop that group of players. So eventually, they just end up leaving you to go somewhere else if you're not going to. You know, coach them up properly and develop them. Mm. Um, one one thing that I wrote down, <clears throat> which is interesting, I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Um, I wrote that there's a lot of recruiters in the youth game over here because there's not enough like real quality qualified coaches. And back home, those guys that we look at and call recruiters in like the U nine, U twelve age groups, they would just be scouts. They would go out to the field. Maybe they work for you know Man United. They go out to the field. They watch games. They see who the best players are. They invite them to a tryout, and then maybe the coach of the under nines at Man United likes the kid, sees potential. It's then their job to coach him up because he's a coach. Yeah. A- Whereas right. over here, still, still the game's still relatively new. There's millions of teams. Coaches are coaching that really probably shouldn't be, but because there's a lack of qualified demand, coaches that goes back to the demand yeah there's such a demand that Club, clubs can make money off adding 10 more teams and then they go and get you know maybe 5 coaches to coach 2 teams each that aren't what they should be and that's where I think we get the, the recruiting as opposed to kind of coaching and developing kids the uh, I agree yeah. well, I have, I a agree laugh, have a laugh here but when he mentioned scout like what comes to my head straight away the typical scout is over the age of 45 he's wearing a big giant club jacket smells of smoke and knows everybody in the stand or whatever thing he's going to you know yeah. like that that is and it's right like that guy he's got a gift of a gab pulls him in can see a, see a player so, so, there so is a difference see that's the big thing as well there is a difference in being able to see a player but then being handed the player and going right we now have to develop him yeah. and fit him in and I yeah I think it's a great point I think there, there is way more recruiters than actual coaches I think that comes from the culture of America where recruiting is huge in American football baseball uh, hockey there you see it all the time, right? The top fifty recruit in the US for the NFL Combine or the the baseball. You know, the the word recruit is huge over here in America, and I don't think that word is used as much in England. I don't 
hear that word nowhere near as much when I'm back no, home you games. Never hear you um, so I think, right. So the obsession with recruit and recruitment over here in America, I think, spills over into soccer because soccer is still so new that maybe people involved in the game of soccer look at other sports that have been so successful when they see their model and they see the way they're doing it and they feel like we need to do that as we be in soccer but I don't think it's the same and I think Matt Sam made a good point of how scouts and coaches are, are there's a break in between in, in, in Europe there is they're not both whereas over here they, sometimes you have to be both and your coaching ability could be judged could be clouded by the fact that you're such a big recruiter uh, Sam Back on that. I mean, you you wouldn't hire a plumber to fix your roof, would you? So why get a scout coaching your team? You know. Hey, you never know what can happen in Wigan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to do it all in Wigan. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sparky and a bricklayer at the same time. Josh, anything on that? <clears throat> I think eventually, I think you, you'll kind of know yourself. What kind of coach you are? Are you a recruiter? Are you someone that likes to develop players? I would say I prefer the development side. Like I, I hate having to force people onto my team. Like if they don't want to be on my team, I'll be like, that's, that's okay. I hate giving people a deadline. And I've heard parents say, oh, this coach has given me 24 hours to say, oh, am I in or am I not? And I'm, I always just say to the parents, if you want to join, join. If you want to join, join. If you want to be part of this team, if you want me to coach your your son or daughter, then then come along. And then during the season, I'm a big advocate of, okay, right, every player on this team, where do you want to be this time next year? Do you want to be on, on the Flight 1 team within the club? If you're a Flight 1 player already, do you want to be at a DA next year? Like, where, where do you want to be? And then you get that kind of promotion within. And I know there's something that we, we did at Galaxy, there was promotion within, and there's something that we do here as well, there's promotion within the club. Yeah, <clears throat> and and you don't then hopefully necessarily, you don't really need to c- recruit. Um, there'll always be one or two players that, that move on to maybe something better, and then one or two players will join in. But if you're having to recruit a whole team, something, something's gone wrong within that year. Something has gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like, the, the point he brings up about the 24 hour thing right like for me being just a coach in a tryout you look you look at kids right you've got your balka team like you say you're not recruiting or looking to bring on many new kids if you've had a good year so you're looking there and you, you identify a kid and you're like I like what he's all about he seems a bit cheerful is he getting on with the other boys or girls that's a big thing too and then you've gone, okay, boom, I want to ask them to be on the team. Now, I have never, as well, put a hard deadline, but I, I can't get over in my head parents that get given a hard deadline. And it's definitely a thing of, look, you've got 24 hours or I'm not taking her or him. That just shows already how yeah. not invested they are yeah. in that kid. But people still go on that team like that. And again, I think it comes down to the insecurity. Like I've done it many a time and I know our coaches have. It's like, look, you're either in or you're out. Just let us know, you know, do whatever you like. And it's, I think having the confidence of that as a coach and knowing that if you don't get that one or two kids, you'll still be fine. You'll still have a good year because you're focused on development. You're gonna try to develop those two or three other players and develop the, the team as a group. 
like I've said it many a time on this, but I feel our club, when I go watch the teams, there's not a lot of one player standouts. It's a, you know, it's a lot of, and this is no offense to anyone, but it's a lot of sevens, right? Sevens, eights, and sixes, which really will make up a good solid group, you know? But how many times do you play other organizations? And it literally is one kid. It's that one kid you can't stop. There, yeah, there's one, there's one kid, and that, you know, and the moment that kid's taken out of that team, like you said, that team will no longer exist. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh made a point earlier about um, <clears throat> you sort of said, you know, I give you. You said you give your kids goals, or you ask your kids where they want to be in one year, um, and that's actually a pretty short term way of looking at it in terms of you're trying to get them onto the next level, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's tough for coaches. To, there's a coaches find that hard to do. A lot of coaches out here find that hard to do to ask that question because they know that that kid could come back and say, I, want, I don't want to be here next year. I want to be on a better team. And that's where the whole, you know, short-term, long-term thing, thing comes in. So do you think a lot of, I'll go back to you, Josh, because you mentioned it. Do you think a lot of coaches push their egos into the recruitment and push it into the decision that they don't want to be a stepping stone for that kid and that family, They, you know, because they know that maybe that kid and family will leave them in a year. So they don't want to be that coach who's just known for you know, get them in for one year, do my job, and they're gone anyway. So what was the point of me putting that much time and effort into that kid? I think that then comes down to, are you are you a developer or are you just in it to win it? Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> we're all human and we all want to win. I mean, no one likes going through a whole season and, and losing every game. Um, and, and I've had that experience with one of my teams in my first year and it was it was tough and I had to kind of look at myself and say alright well what am I doing for this group um, am I developing them or am I just in it to win it um, if you develop them the right way then, then they'll become strong they will start to win um, <clears throat> but I think it's it's important for coaches to to realise that what what we're doing and what why we're here is to help kids to play soccer I mean, when we obviously we want to improve as coaches, but we get paid not to get better as coaches. We get we get paid to help produce soccer players, and then if everyone was to look at it that way, hopefully U.S. soccer would would improve in the long run as well. Um, I mean, last year I had two players who who remained on my team, and they they were great great boys. And when it comes to the end of the year, I said hey, you two should be playing on, on flight one next year. And that, that won't be with me because we're going to remain in the flight two bracket. So I would recommend to you looking within the club or looking elsewhere um, for somewhere for you to play to develop. There's no point me having you here for another year because you're ready to move up. Like, what am I doing for your development? Wow. So, And it's difficult because some coaches don't see it that way. And some coaches would be like, oh, I'd love to have you both again next year because we're going to get more players in and we're going to be even stronger next year. So it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's kind of, what person are you? are you? Are you a developer or are you just there to win games? Definitely. I think that goes back to coach and recruitment, development and winning. Yeah. Are you recruiting? Why are you recruiting? To coach these kids are recruiting to win the short term and you're coaching to develop. Let's. Uh, what about the? Let's talk about this. So your team's playing, and the other coach starts talking to your player. Oh, I've 
got also host. I was gonna jump in there. What do you mean, like <coughs> talking while the game's going on or after the game? After the, after game, the game, whatever they can do, even in the ha- shaking the hands in the lineup. Now look, there's o- there's ODP, there's academy coaches recruiting, which to me is very fair. They should be doing that. They should be out scouting, but you know, rival cl- clubs. And doing it, uh, and we've heard the stories on game days or even coaches coming out in trainings. I've heard certain directors sending coaches out to other clubs' tryouts on the day. Like, what's your thoughts on that? I think he's a bit naughty. I think there's a time and a place to do it. Obviously, if you, you there is you've got to if you want to recruit a kid you have to actually go and do the recruitment but I don't think speaking to a speaking to a kid directly after a game is the right way to do it. I think it's probably done best through a parent. If you if you can get that parent's information or maybe you get put in touch from you know a friend of a friend or something like that. I don't think it's right to speak directly to the player after the game. Josh. Uh, I actually had it in State Cup. One of my parents came up to me and said, oh, the, the, the coach has just spoke to us after the game. And <clears throat> I mean, Who was the coach? Let's name him. I don't know who the coach was, but I know the club. <laughs> I know the club, and they're probably renowned for doing it. Don't uh, say the name of the club, but give some kind of cryptic Ryan, let's do a Cockney Ryman. Our, our listeners maybe would get what Can Dan do a Cockney Ryman if you write it down? Let's see, our <laughs> listeners, can our listeners send in the right answer, Dan? This will be an East Enders special. <laughs> we'll we'll come back to it. Anyways, yeah, give, me, give, me, give me a minute. Yeah, and they were saying that they're going to be doing this next year. Um, come and join us because we've got this to offer you and so on and so on. And I spoke to the parent and they were not at all interested, <laughs> um, which was, I mean, it's, it's entirely up to them. And again, I said, I've always said to the parents that, they're free to go wherever wherever they like wherever they're going to be happy um <clears throat> but it's it's difficult i mean say if that coach wanted that player and uh, sam said they, they're trying to get their details over his email or, or phone number and they can't get it how else how else how else are they going to re- recruit that kid um <clears throat> it's, it's a difficult one i mean if you're at the the top level and obviously carl spoke about You've got scouts from the DA clubs coming out, but at a local level, Coast Soccer League and SCDSL, do you really need to be going all out to recruit? Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm sure there's enough quality players around locally that will come to your tryouts or that will hit you up. I had I had parents reach out to me during the season who said, can we come along to a practice? We really like how your team plays. Um, we'd love to be within your team next year and then I invited them out that way. I think if you're doing the right things, parents will reach out to you. I mean, as a coach, everyone has access to your email and phone number. If you go onto SCDSL, your club name's there and your email and your phone number's there. So if you're doing a good job on the field, parents will reach out to you. And I, I advise parents to do that all the time that, that I haven't coached before. If they come up to me and say, oh, we want to come out to a practice session, I say that's much better to do that than go to tryouts. If you if there's a team that you like the look of and yeah. and you really want to go and see how they train, that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Got a, I've got a good story, which also relates to a point. Before you get to the story. Oh, sorry, go on. 
he's Googled Cockney rhyming slang for. Yeah, yeah. I have not. What's <laughs> your Cockney rhyming for the club? It's not. It's not even a Cockney rhyme. It's just very simple. I don't know if I want to give the number of letters away. They do I? <laughs> yeah. Three letter club rhyming with Chevrolet. I <laughs> like that. Like Carl, on to your story, my friend. Parents, if you have an if you have an idea, send Josh a message. <laughs> so the whole like recruitment by other coaches, it's all about for me, it's all about the approach out here. Which the approach to me always stands back to there's like an insecurity and uh it's always negative. It's insecure and negative, right? So it's it's a story. It doesn't really relate too much to recruitment, but I had an older team a long, long time ago, and the boys were 16, and, you know, the community was broken up into kind of three teams, and some of the players on my team had mates that were on another team, right? And I'd found out that one of the players on my team had been asked to play for the other team via the coach. The coach reached out to him directly, and said, hey, can you play in this tournament coming up, right? So the player comes to me and says, hey, this coach has reached out to me, what do you think? And I'm like, look, I have no issues with you playing with anybody, but really that coach should be checking in with me. That's, that's the way to do it. So anyways, in my normal fashion, I you know, was a little younger back then too, you know, head on, met it. So reached out to the coach and was like, hey, look, you know, I've heard you've asked X to play in this tournament. I'm just wondering, why, why could you not pick up the phone and just ask me? His first, honestly, his first reply, literally straight away was like, oh, we don't really, you don't really do that in this community. And it, it just summed it up. And over the years, you know, we've continued to see that, like, it, there, there, what, it, there's some vile insecurity thing that goes on that there, that barrier cannot be broken down, you know? And I, I was talking to some of you lads recently, like when I went back home to see my mate in academy, like the top level, youth level, the coaches are best mates and they're calling each other daily about, hey, we might be releasing this player, think he'd be great for your team. I've talked to the parents for you and now you're... Like, that's how close they are. And then out here, I, you know, they're, they're acting like that. It's ludicrous. You know, it's just so negative And uh, to me, it's in, they're insecure about something. I don't get it. Culture. It's an <clears throat> interesting topic because um, I often bump into a local coach who will remain nameless. And uh, you listen. Hey, Cockney Ryan. Write it down. Write it down. for Chevrolet or drive a Chevrolet? Write it down. So he's going to remain nameless because um, we'll keep we'll keep his identity uh, a secret for now. But he, he he talks about this topic all the time, and he basically asks like, why do why do coaches that you coach against? Hate you without even knowing you. Like why? Why are we not? Why are we? Why are we not allowed? To, why are we not allowed to be friends? He basically says, and obviously he coaches at another club and and we're friends and we don't see an issue with it. But it is. It's a. It's an interesting one. No, it is. It. it, it look, it's we're going off topic a little bit, <laughs> but I do it. I go out of my way every game, 
before the match starts, go over to the coach. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Within the first not five seconds even looking at him, I know whether he hates me, like like you say, automatically hates me because I'm opposition, or this is going to be a great sideline today. I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this guy. We'll yeah. chat. We'll probably take numbers. You know, I don't know. We'll be best friends forever kind of thing. But it's just, it's so, it's so interesting, isn't it? I would say in my experience, I've... <laughs> I've met more coaches that I like than dislike. So I think there there is a uh, more than a minority of coaches that that aren't coaching or, or interacting with other coaches in the right way and they they they'll always stick out. But I think as a as a community if you can kind of build relationships um with with other clubs and other coaches um I've I've spoke to other clubs about players within my team before and Oh, is is he? Can he move up to my team next year? And I'd be like, yeah. If he doesn't move up within the club, that's someone you should definitely look at. Um, yeah, it's always about building those those relationships. And I think if anything, if you can do that, it'll be beneficial for the the kids in the long run. I think the listeners should know that when Josh was on the Galaxy sideline, he was one of them coaches that wouldn't speak to us. And it's nice that we can now be friends now he's part of San and so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, what, it's, what, it's what the badge does to you. <laughs> so when Josh was on the sideline, it was very easy to take out that wooden spoon and just, just get him going, get him going. Coops, Coops especially. Coach Coops. <clears throat> those, went, those listeners that know me know that's not true. Yeah. I went to shake his hand once and he put his hand out in front of me and said, kind of like, stop. And he just pointed to his galaxy badge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All went south when a certain metal came Respect about. The badge. Respect the badge. He, he, he actually, you know what's funny? He bought that jacket and dicks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm, I think we're going to leave the coach. We're going to leave the cocky rice lad out for that coach. I could, but he might be a potential guest in the future. Who knows? I think we can get. I think we can get him on. From I mean, there. if he pays us enough, we can get him on, can't we? James and the Giant Peach. We can get him on. Yeah, nah, let, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Any lasting thoughts, Carl? All about the coaching for me. Yeah, coaching's key. I can just say the same as Emma, you want. Go oh, on, I said that. Go on uh, the recruitment side, go on. Uh, coaching trumps recruitment. Donald's over and out. <laughs> Final part of the pod this week. Episode three, season two. That's right, Josh. Yeah? That's all right, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Premier League review, a little bit of Q&A from the Paris as well. Lots of questions, as I mentioned earlier, so we'll get to a couple of those if we get time, if we finish ripping Arsenal enough. Uh, Premier League banter. Uh, we have one Chelsea fan, one Arsenal fan, one Manchester United fan, and Wigan, Blackburn, Bolton, Preston. What are we going with this week? Blackburn as always. <sighs> as always. <laughs> Let's go with the lower club first. Bolton, word on the street. Carl, actually, introduce it quick. What's going on with Bolton, Carl? We'll let the Northerners take over this one. Yeah, no idea. I'll don't really care. It's to do with finances and funding, but they could be going into administration 
your hometown <coughs> club, it's member not, of the academy. It's not the hometown supporter. club. <laughs> supporter since you were a kid, had all the jerseys, as, um, you know, Biggie Van Campo and Ricketts. I, I don't have JJ, any, I don't have any so, sympathy for him, to be honest. No? No. This is what happens when you sign Chris Basham instead of me. <laughs> we could we could still be in the Europa League. So you're a cheap date, is that what you're saying? Just making bad decisions, you know, bad decisions. So a potential club going out of business back home, Bolton, currently could, in league championship. Championship. They are still in the championship. I thought it was second bargain in championship. Uh, could potentially be actually dropping out of the second professional league in England. Could be a good bargain for anyone in Manhattan Beach who's got a few quid and fancies owning a football club. Yeah, no, it's lovely in Bolton as well. I've heard. Oh, beautiful. And the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, play, they play in a lovely white kit just like Real Madrid don't they yeah what's their stadium the Reebok used to be it's now called the Macron Stadium oh, after it, they changed the sponsor tax bill tax bill wasn't it pay the taxes don't want to be coming over here then so big pretty much somebody can sell their granny flat in Manhattan Beach and pay off their taxes <laughs> <laughs> so no no sympathy no Carl was a northerner any sympathy for these Norfolk clubs for that? Doesn't happen in London, does it really? So. Yeah, I think it's sad to see a club like Bolton go so far, you know, after all those top players they had and the days they used to have. Like, I remember when United would go to Bolton, it would it would be a, good, it would be a good match. It, yeah. It's a tough place to go, so, you know. Uh, Bolton my, Wanderers. My granddad, he played there as well. Like, like it was, uh, you know, so... Something to see like 11-12 years ago they beat Atletico Madrid drew Bayern Munich twice in the same season now they're getting beat by like they Barnsley u- they used to hey, the, the, <laughs> the, the uniform used to be on Soccer AM every week with Thingy doing his tricks JJ JJ Patcher so right. good that I named him twice yeah no uh, could happen to a nice club could it really oh, yeah. I remember the good old days 15 years ago and they were playing unbelievable Tiki Taka over Sam Allardyce do you hey wait hold on? Do you remember anything fifteen years ago? Because oh, Chelsea oh, wasn't really been a club then, right? He might have been a Bolton fan then. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. 15, that's why he remembers. Two thousand and four. That would have been the first year, or into the first second year that Chelsea got taken over by Roman Abramovich. Oh, so remember you just remember, remember it well, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was Early just when you supported that. Started like a buzzing when we signed Glenn Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days that was in the club. Uh, who's who's been who's been partnering? It's always Chelsea, and I'm bored of talking to them. Uh, Arsenal, let's get you involved, Josh. Arsenal fan, <clears throat> North London rivals of Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, Tottenham! I mean, what what a club! What a club! Let's start with that. Um, if you're if you're an Arsenal fan, you know that they know something about soccer. <laughs> you already know. You get these Man United fans who. Don't even live anywhere near Manchester. Oh, I love it. They're just jumping on the bandwagon. And this, uh, you'll see, it's funny how you see less and less Man United shirts nowadays. You see less and less. And uh, I think their their generation is slowly slowly going. Josh is a little bit younger than me, and he only started like a football in the Invincibles year. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, ask him to name the start of eleven before Wenger was there. Oh, hey, he doesn't even know who the manager was. It was actually 1998, 1998 when Wenger first hey, came in. The, hey, I know we've mentioned before. I used to be an, a wrestling fan, but that was also the Attitude Era in WWF. But anyway, <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Did. What do you think of the new coach Unai Emery? Is I mean, he the man to? take over the legacy of Arsene Wenger 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, we were we were never gonna get a top coach. Whenever we were never gonna get a Guardiola, um, just because of the situation we were in. Um, I think Emre, considering he was at uh, PSG, sorry, he's obviously he's used to working at a top club, and then if you if you, even if you look how. How he likes to try, yeah. <laughs> how he likes to try and play. I think it's it it suits uh, how how Arsenal have been trying to play over the last ten ten years or so, and obviously that would have been filtered down to to the youth academy as well, and that he can carry on that kind of approach is is pleasing, and I think even if you you see him on the sideline. He he was exactly what the club needed. We needed some passion. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Simeone coming from Atletico Madrid, someone who's on the side, boosting the team up. Mm. And if you look back to the Wenger days, there was a lot of success because of the leaders that we had on the field. And if you look at the Arsenal team now, there's there's a lack of leadership. So that leadership needed to come from the side. And all the Arsenal fans that I know said this year was kind of a, a building phase and if we finish in the top four and we get Champions League then it's a, a job well done. If we miss out uh, on Champions League this year and then if we, we don't win the Europa League I mean obviously we've got Napoli next round which won't be easy going away there. I think even if we stay in Europa and we finish fifth it will just be he'll be judged on next year and more often than not now it's, it's a case of is the club helping him to bring players in? Is he getting the financial support he needs? Um, <coughs> I know there's always talk about Arsenal needing to strengthen up their their defenders and, and their midfield. And I think if we can go out and get a solid Van Dijk, which is never easy, um, then that, that will put us close up because we have the attacking threat. We have the attacking threat. We just need to solid up a little bit more. I think he's the man for the job. Yeah. I like him. Does my head in on the sideline though. Yeah. We need that. Her. We yeah, need I that. Think, I think it's needed. I think for too long there was not was enough on the sideline. It was too expecting that things were going to happen. I think. It was like head, headmaster when he banged her. But he, 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 has, he has to be given three more years. Like he, he, he you know. And money. That, and money. I think that run at the start of the year didn't help just going unbeaten and the next minute the Arsenal fans again now expecting everything but you need Champions League I don't think you're getting top four I think we will we have the best running we have the best running so what do you away mean running form. as, in, as in we, we the, the teams we play we, we don't look. play let's have a look no, someone pull it up we, yeah, it's, on it's, paper it's the easiest yeah on paper it's the easiest we don't play any of the the top six I think we play the most teams that are in the bottom half of the league. Fighting for survival. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's tough. That, that, well, tough, game, tough. That's tough, but you should beat those teams. You should beat those teams. So, so you have... Next game is Newcastle. Not an easy game. Well, no game in the Prem is an easy game. And you have Everton. Wait, hold on a second. Newcastle, Everton are on a bit of a run. And then you have Napoli after that. But we don't have to go to Anfield. We don't have to go to the Itihad. We don't have to play Man United. We don't have to play Chelsea. We don't have to play Tottenham. You don't want to come to the bridge. To be, hey, look, I'm going to be honest, not being a biased United fan, but you've got Newcastle, Everton, Napoli, Europa League, Watford, who are doing well, got a good run in the FA Cup, back to Napoli, and then Palace. 
So that's those, not an easy but, run, boys. But all those Premier League games, you would put money on Arsenal to win. Let's pull up, pull up United's list. Pull up United's list and see who they So just quickly, while we do that, we'll, six. Six. we'll switch our six. attention over to Man United. And Josh, top four, go. Top four, City top, Liverpool second, third, I don't know, because Tottenham are struggling. Yeah. Um, third, Tottenham, fourth, Arsenal. <sighs> Chelsea and United to miss out. Watford, Wolves, Barca, West Ham, Barca, Everton. Who, who else you got to go to? That's that's. I was just comparing the last six. Mm. We've got City and Chelsea. See, but those would be. I, I'm confident United at Chelsea. Yeah, they'd be good Chelsea. games, but they're not guaranteed. And then City could be at that point where they're still in playing a lot. You're clutching their straws. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, what's the crack at United? Is the, uh, is the what's what is the it? Ollie, Ollie at the wheels. Yeah. The wheels, wheels are falling off. off. Do you want to explain to the listeners what that saying actually means? What's the crack? I don't want to explain it, man. <laughs> it's it's a it's an Irish saying of how's it going, and the crack is spelled C R A I C. Yeah, it's not the the other way. The McCarthy and me right now. <laughs> what's uh, going on with the wheels? On the Ollie bus. Everything's good. I'm I'm a I'm a happy camper. <laughs> Did you watch the last game? The FA Cup? Yeah. Yeah, it was no, shocking. It was no, it's a poor performance and disappointed, but Champions League will be exciting and I, I but, think United are gonna get top four. Is this where we see the true Solskjaer now? I mean obviously he done really well to go on that winning run, but he lost his first game then or was it two losses in a row? Yeah, because he lost against Arsenal. He lost against Arsenal. And then uh, they go on to lose against Wolves. So now it's about picking them up again. Obviously, got the international break to, to get them in and, and work on a Look, few things. Every, top, every one of the top four clubs are going to have a little dip. It's going to be guaranteed. City will have something. Liverpool will have it. You know, I, I think, yeah. I think we've got Watford next. Winnable game. Wolves going to be comfortable and it's going to be a nice little mover into that quarterfinal against Barca. And I'm going to go... Don't say Man United are beating Barca. No, I'm going to go top four, City, Liverpool, United, Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) Deluded United fans. That's not deluded. Yeah, it is. Only gets a job next year. I think he's already signed the Whoa. Whoa. No, no, no. Whoa. no, 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 no. Journeyman. If he... I know you like United, but let's just get a load of it. How can you not give him a job? How can he not already have a job? If United don't get top four, he's not getting a job. Right. I agree. Yeah, and Pochettino will get it. Yeah, that's fine. I think, he's, I think he's already signed the paperwork and he's already he's already got the job. You think so? In, inside sources or...? I don't see how you can't offer him the job even if he loses every game from Look, losing, b- back to anyways what Josh was saying for United as well like their manager United's manager United's sideline there's passion now like you see in uh, Solskjaer Whelan you know Carrick you know there's passion there was too much of that blase on the sideline of expecting oh, just I, because you are somebody and it's I think that's the, the best part for both clubs right but, now yeah <laughs> Definitely. You need that passion from the side. Now let's uh, turn it over to... Yeah, let's turn it it over to uh, Blackburn, yeah. (laughs) How they doing? Comfortable season back in the championship. (laughs) 
Bradley Dacker, legend, legend. Let's not say his name too much. We want to keep him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need. Earlier. We don't need whoever buys Bolton Wonders from Manhattan Beach to try and sign Bradley Dax. So we'll just we'll keep him under the radar. All right. So Batman are sitting where fifty somewhere around there. Out of we're like, I think we're like middle middle of the bottom half of the table. So like we're not getting promoted. We're not getting relegated. That's yeah. it, really. How about Bolton. Wigan? Wigan have been pulled into a bit of a relegation dogfight. We beat them three 0 the other week. What, what do you mean wait? <laughs> yeah, which way? <laughs> few journeymen, don't you? Jack Rodwell, Charlie Mulgrew. Oh, what a player! Charlie what, Rodwell's over there. Oh, of course. Is he, bo- is he bowling? Uh, he's in and out, in and out. And he's that match fitness done. He's not played that, for a while. Danny, Danny, Green. Hasn't watched game Danny a while, Graham's played up top all year. He's done all right, but that's just what we've been lacking. We just need someone with a bit more firepower. How's Will Grigg doing at Wigan? He's not at Wigan oh, anymore. He passed the test. <laughs> Where'd he go? Someone. How much? Four million. <gasps> no, is he stuff? You're a Wigan fan, aren't you? You're a Wigan fan. Four million, the price. <laughs> and Victor goes, Moses still on the way. I negotiated the deal, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, Dan. But anyways, back to Chelsea. <sighs> Dodging it as much as yeah, yeah, No, let's that. talk about negativity on the sideline. Did we even cover a podcast on what happened with no, the whole Kepa, the most embarrassing moment in football history? Yeah, we missed it. <clears throat> well... Um, as a Chelsea fan, how did that feel? Oh, embarrassing. embarrassing. And as a coach as well. Yeah, no, kids. unbelievable. Can't be doing that. Um, I don't believe it was a misunderstanding. I think it was just what it what I think it is what everybody saw it for. It was just Kepa being disrespectful, big time. being big time, big the, time. The thing is though, if the coach it's hasn't said anything to him before the game, you co- then he's gonna have he's gonna be like, why are you taking me off? Right. Yeah, if the if if the gaffer has gone to him and said, "Hey, if we get to penalties, I'm going to take you off in replace for Willie Caballero," if, and then and then he can accept it. But if he's just done it spare of the moment and gone, "All right, let's take him out," I can understand why Kepa's going to be frustrated. But you don't know the ins and outs. Can understand that. I understand you wouldn't want to be taken off in that moment in a game, he said right? He was cramped, didn't he? I don't believe it. I don't. He believe said he was story. injured, then he was cramping up, and the physio said. Must have got on the mic and said, "How's he cramping up? How's he cramping up? Standing so, still half the time." The big, so, big Sari's gone to make a change, and then he's apparently said, "No, I'm alright." Big Sari. Yeah, it's, it's not. Hey, let's talk about Sari losing his head. Could, didn't know what to do with his zipper. Walked through the Get doors, came back it. out. Gianfranco Zola's looking at him like he, he's <laughs> off his nut. The thing is, you, you put in some decent results after that. Yeah, no. The, I mean, the dress. Sari said the dressing room was more united after that happened, which is interesting. Sometimes good things come from adversity, right? The question so, is, how many players is Madrid going to sign from your team? Pat, well, Hazard's gone, isn't he? And, yeah, and Angolo. Yeah, he'll yeah. be gone. He's not going anywhere. And then you've got the transfer ban coming in. No, Angolo's gone. He's not Guaranteed. Gone. Right. They'll play him in the right, old water to come in. Listeners <laughs> of this podcast, when Angolo Conte is playing in the Royal Blue of Chelsea next year, Carl Dixon owes me an SIE bowl. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Hazard is gone, which is going to kill me. Giroud you know, wants to go back to, to France. Player to watch this season in my book and the podcast earlier, wasn't it? You got me. <laughs> so for him to go is going to be is going to be a, you know hard. Giroud, best looking geezer in the club, took him from Arsenal. Same as Fabregas, really. Came to Chelsea, won trophies. That's what it's for, isn't it? I mean, but he's going to be gone. Don't really need him anymore. Been there, done that. Next. What about Higuain? Oh, 
get send him back. <laughs> send him back of his mouth. He's, play, he's, hey, he's played nearly as bad as his hair haircut is. Oh, he's trimmed that off. Yeah, no, Chelsea are not in a good place right now. But you know what? That's what we do best, don't we? We bounce back from adversity. We Who's win the next trophy. manager? Is he gone? Is yeah. he, if he makes top four, he's gone. There's no chance. I don't know. If he if he makes top four, and or actually, maybe even if he wins the Europa League, he could. You don't know. They've got to look at it though. If they get rid of him, who, they, who's who are you going to bring in? Where they they can't even spend any money, can't buy anyone. Exactly. There's talk of the club being sold as well, right? Yeah. So right. apparently, as the Britain's richest guy, Jim Ratcliffe, apparently wants to sign the wants to sign wants to own the club. He just bought Team Sky. So, so oh yeah, team. he did. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, some cash. He is. <laughs> he's about seven, seven foot with a wig. He's isn't got it? a map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, check him up there. He's oh, wow. um, apparently he's putting a he's. Put in a 2.5 billion bid, but Roman Abramovich wants 3 billion. Yeah. <laughs> and won't budge. <laughs> can he, can he get run. back in the country? Nope. <laughs> if he finds out that Bolton are available to buy, he might. Oh. <laughs> no, apparently it's him and a, a shake. Apparently there's a shake involved. Picks in 20 years, that, isn't it? Yeah, I think Jim Radcliffe. <laughs> Kyle Radcliffe. No, but yeah, so apparently owners, new owners on the horizon. I think that would be exciting. Do another 2003-04 session. Uh... That'd be good, but yeah, Chelsea not good right now. But you watch, we'll be talking about Chelsea winning another trophy in adversity in a couple of months. We'll win the European <laughs> League, no worries. So, the, you know, the trophy cabinet just keeps getting bigger for the boys. Moving on. Uh, supporting, this is a big one. This is one I want to bring into the table because a couple of, done a couple of long drives with Sam, as you may have seen from our social medias. We've been hitting up Big Bear recently on the old snowboarding trips. Just getting Sam on that front edge and... Been been tuned into the Champions League as the Champions League is being played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays midweek. Uh, pretty much at the same time, way, driving it's, down. It's, it's nice to hear that you've gave on your knowledge that you got from me oh, when I taught him on the kiddie do slips. Do not even. Anyways, carry do on. Do not even. Carry on. But no, we've been tuning in, <laughs> listening. United. It was United. The first trip was United. PSG. United came back, beat PSG in wonderful fashion. I'll give them that. It was good to see. From some people, maybe not some others. And then we, the second week we went, it was Liverpool's turn against Bayern. Liverpool, famous win in Munich to go through to the Champions League. So, four English teams. Yeah, four out of four. Four out of four, all into <clears> the quarterfinals of the Europa Champions League. And then two English teams, Arsenal and Chelsea in the Europa League quarterfinals. So, six teams in Europe, English teams. The question is, guys, do you support other English teams in Europe? Let's just go very simple... 30 seconds, Carl, go. Some teams, yeah. <sighs> so you, are, you pick and choose. Yeah, like, okay, look, look, when Liverpool scored their first in the Baron game, I was gutted. I, do, I hate to see... <laughs> <laughs> I hate to see Liverpool win anything. I hate their fans. You know, uh, it's funny, right, because being a United fan with Man City, but, you know, it, it's I actually like to watch City and what they're doing this season as well with the four it's kind of interesting but yeah I don't like to see Liverpool win much and now Chelsea I don't really like them to see much because I'm friendly with you but uh, <laughs> no I think most of the time yeah it kind of do follow but not, you like, you not, like to see them do well of course yeah yeah well look I've, I'm, you know me I'm an advocate of the English League I'm actually more of an adv- advocate of watching the Championship and League One than the La Liga. I hate it. 
you know, so more of an Englishman than an Irishman. Mm. I say the Aircom <laughs> League. <you know? laughs> yeah. Josh, do you like to see other English teams do well in Europe? Yep. And I, I hate Tottenham and I hate United. And, and he was celebrating United. And I was, I was, honestly is I was I was happy when the when Rashford I think looking back at it, I was I was happier. Was it Rashford because he's an yeah, English player? Yeah, I think a young Englishman under pressure, Martin. having to having to score Martin. that penalty to send United through and with such quality it was it, yeah, it was pleasing to see. But and then uh Tottenham absolutely spanking Dortmund, I think a German club. So you enjoyed that? Yeah. No. Honestly, honestly, I mean, you've got to look at it as from from an English perspective. Harry Kane doing well, Rashford doing well. See that, and, and then, there's and something then, about Tottenham as well with Pochettino. Yeah, like it's, he's very like. No, would, would, would I want to see Tottenham win the Champions League before Arsenal? Probably not. But so um, there's I'm, levels to it. Yeah, there's levels to it. Yeah. There's levels to it. But I'm I'm glad they're doing well. So Tottenham and United. What about Liverpool? You don't really care about Liverpool, Chelsea. I don't want Liverpool to win the league. Okay. But if they win the Champions League, yeah, that's no fine. Yeah, no Chelsea, any, any hate on Chelsea? Go on, uh, get it in their way, Cal, I mean, trophy, so. they're, they're the same as Arsenal in the Europa League, so I don't even really regard that as, yeah. uh, as a competition. <laughs> oh, lovely. Sam, well, Sam, you are the topic of this discussion, really. I mean, it's pretty hard for you when you support... Wigan and Blackburn and Bolton. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank you, your counties. Sam was fist bumping at both United and Liverpool going through in the Champions League. I don't know about Tottenham. Did Liverpool, you were, yeah. No, any, yeah. Any, any English teams, I'm, I'm buzzing that four out of four, I'd like uh, English two English teams in a final. Same in Europa League. Yeah. Just shows it's the, the best, best league in the world for football. Fair play, mate. Uh, for me... Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, it was good. I was with Sam and celebrating the fact that Man United, I thought that was good. It was good to see Man United get through against PSG. I think Josh touched on it as well. Martin Rashford scoring that penalty. <laughs> good to see a young English guy a, do that. Death kick, man. Isn't yeah, death kick it's into strong. the uh, side, side corner. But yeah, no, that was good to see. Liverpool, not really bothered about Liverpool, to be honest. I'm bothered. Their fans are annoying because they talk about history every five minutes. Um, but apart from that, I'm not really bothered by them. I'd rather them win. I want City to win the league over them, for sure. Don't, yeah. don't mind about the Champions League, like Josh. Tottenham, don't care how, when, who plays for them. I do not want to see them succeed in any capacity. <laughs> hate them. So, hey, just while we're on it, who's going to win the Champions League? Let me get there, let me oh, get there. But sorry. yeah, hate Tottenham, so no chance. City, don't really care. Pretty much had a Chelsea 2.0, didn't they, by buying everyone and winning the league. So, don't really bother about them. Uh, do a quick round robin before we get a couple of parent questions in, just real quick. Carl, Champions League winner, one word. Man United. Uh, Europa League winner, one word. Arsenal. I can't believe he's on that. And Premier League. City. Josh, uh, Champions League. Juve. Uh, Europa League. Chelsea, they've got the easier draw. It's oh, an Arsenal fan, look at that. Um, and Premier League. City. Hold up. Sam. Europa League. Uh, Champions League. Liverpool. Europa oh, League. Yeah. Who's left in it? Chelsea, Valencia, Villarreal. Napoli. Napoli, Arsenal. Arsenal. Frankfurt. Uh, who, who Chelsea player? I forgot. Some dodgy team. Who are we playing? Oh, Slavia Prague and someone else. Dodgy team. Valencia. Valencia. <coughs> Premier League. Premier League. Man City. Champions League. Juve. Europa League. Chelsea. Premier League. City. Just copy my answers if you want. Uh, Dan. Is that exactly the same? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was at all. I mean, I don't blame you being an Arsenal fan and saying Chelsea. Southern is not how it is. It's very welcome having another summoner on the pod. Um, Steve, 
Uh, but if you didn't hear, Coach Steve sneaked into the building for the third podcast in a row. I think he kind of. <laughs> I think he seems to know when we're recording. How are West Ham going to do in Europe this year, buddy? <laughs> oh, moving on. Uh, where do you think they're going to finish in the league? There's 20 teams in the league. If you didn't know. Three, three go down, no. one win the league. West Ham are ninth right now. Ninth right now. Where are they finishing, Steve? Just quick. Sixth, They'll seven. finish in the top. They'll finish in the top half. So top ten. Mm-hmm. Give us a specific. Eight. Okay. Good to know. A couple of parent questions, very quickly. Here we go. Let me see what I can get up. Let's have a look. What have we got? I want to get a nice, good one here for you. Let's get. How do you know if players will have potential at the high school, academy, or college level? Carl Dixon, 20 seconds. Go. How do you, what, read that again? How do you know if players will have potential at the high school, academy, or college level? Yeah, I'm stunned with that one. All right, so that, you yeah. don't. Yeah, I was <laughs> you don't know. Like, what no. do they mean? How do you know what? If they, they can, if they can play, <laughs> if they can play pro or academy or college, you don't, you don't know. No, You'll never know. You'll never know. So many things happen from the start of their soccer when they're six years old up until they're eighteen. So much changes. So much changes. You'll never know. So how many? Yeah, it's tough to tell. I think if they display like uh, good habits in terms of like the way they play and the way they kind of go about the game, you can obviously say they they would have a better chance than someone that doesn't, but. It's hard to predict the future. You could look at a kid and be like, yeah, this kid's going to play pro, going to play pro, going to play pro, and then anything can happen, even aside from the soccer field, that changes that. So it's just, it's almost impossible. Okay. One of our parents has recently watched the Division One High School Championship game, both boys and girls. Uh, a lot of long ball, direct play, in an era which is, seems to be dominated by Tiki Taka. Um, why aren't we seeing possession-focused teams advancing and winning more? Carl, 20 seconds. Possession doesn't, you know, score goals. I've got one for you. Alex Vogue's a famous quote. Possession without penetration is pointless. Yeah. <sighs> Triple P, baby. Don't, look, I'll, be, I'll be talking about this for hours on end, but don't mention tiki-taka around me again. Number one, you're not Spanish. Uh, this whole possession thing, it's dying. Watch all the top teams now. It is a certain amount of direct play. You know, playing out of the back is not a new thing. It happened years and years ago. Like, long ball is not a bad thing. All right? All four, wait, hold on. Oh. All four of us sitting here, that's all we're good at when we play. But <laughs> that is the truth. We can't move, can't turn, but you ask us to hit a wizard pass. Wiz- 60 yards. Charlie there Wizard. Are, there are many people in this room who love a 60 yard diet. Yeah, even so, Steve, left spe- foot. <laughs> Especially this yeah. man that's about to talk. Josh? I love a diag. Uh, yeah. A dog or a diag? Di- <laughs> <laughs> Not a dog. <laughs> um, I think in the championship games, that's what they said, yeah. You're, you're not going to see too much possession soccer because. It's, all out to win at that. Yeah, it? you're all out to win. No one wants to make that mistake at the back. I think if if one of those teams was to play a team that they're used to beating five nil, yeah, then you you're gonna see them pass the ball around more than what they did. Um, but yeah, if you watch a Premier League game, even Liverpool are renowned as, as playing good good soccer at times, they still play long balls in behind. Um, 
I think obviously you want to you want to try and teach kids to to play the right way, but you've got to teach them to do both. You've got to teach them to be able to look in behind and look for those runs going forward, and you've got to teach them that if they've got to build out from the back, they've got to do that as well. Quick, Sam, Ethan. Uh, I think playing the the ticky tacky you talked about. Everybody loves to watch it. They, they, they what did you say? The ticky tacky. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean in English? <laughs> Knackable. I think every- <laughs> everyone would ideally love to have teams that can play that way, but it's very difficult to find players that can do it. It's very difficult to coach it, especially when teams can go out and, and stop you playing it by doing certain things. Scottish so, passing. The Scottish passing. <laughs> uh, in, in, a, in a final, like a high school championship final, there's nothing wrong with playing direct. It is all about winning at the end of the day. That's a game that is, there's a trophy at stake. It's, it's all about winning and there's less risk involved. Like Josh said, when you play direct soccer in a final, you know, some people don't want to play out the back in case they lose a goal and could eventually end up losing out on a trophy over something like that. So it's understandable. It's not as pleasing on the eye as the, the, the McCarthy ball is, but it's just part of the game. Fair enough. Last one. How do I know if my kid is a defender, midfielder, forward or a goalie? That's a big skew. But each of hey, I, can, I can cross one of them off and make it dead easy to start with. If, they keep using if they're a keeper, they'll have gloves on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> when should they specialise, Sam? Okay, just give me an age. That's high a, school. That's a good one, I don't know. Josh has gone high school. Don't know. Carl? Yeah, teenage years. But th- then again, there's still chance for movement. You know, Sam went from centre mid to right back. No one yeah, wants to be a was... Gary Neville, do they? <laughs> 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 nah, stop focusing on the positions, people, like, all the time. Like, you know, just focus on making your kid good enough to make both decisions you know, play short, play long, beat somebody. I don't know if they're a keeper, be confident and take it as it is. Stop right. getting hyped up. Final one quick. LA Times did an article on injuries and youth soccer. Simple question. I'm going to go yes or no. We're going to finish it on this. Just one word. Is youth soccer becoming more dangerous? Sam, yes or no? More dangerous? Yeah. Uh, no. No? <laughs> 100% no. You heard him. No. <laughs> Steve? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your questions, guys. We'll get a few, well, there was a lot coming. We tried to get as many as we could. We'll get some more out for next week. Thanks for listening. That's part three. Concluded. Episode three concluded. Season two, episode three. Done. Josh, thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Steve. You're Carl. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, nice one, mate. It's not. It's nice to be friends with you now. You're a, a, a Sam and Celebrity guest, Steve. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we didn't have you. <laughs> Good to have another Southern on the uh, podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next time.